following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcasting Network. For a full list of our shows, as well as breaking sports news and engaging feature stories, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com. Welcome to The Leftovers, brought to you by the Underdog Sports Network, with Josh Dunn, Anshu Khanna, and Dan Bauer. Hello and welcome to The Leftovers. It is Friday, October 5th. I'm Josh Dunn. I am joined this evening as we record on Thursday night by Dan Bauer. Dan, how the hell are you, sir? Doing well, just preparing for what is likely going to be a sleepless night for myself and the rest of Cleveland as we get going on this ALDS tomorrow. Yes, sir. I know you're excited. It's uh, it's an exciting time. October's upon us. Uh, last night we had the Yankees uh, toppling the Oakland Athletics. Uh, really, I mean, we talked about the Yankees and, you know, could their pitching staff get it done? Uh, in this one, they definitely were able to. Luis, Sever- Luis Severino pitches four innings. He has seven strikeouts. Uh, he has a very solid outing for the Yankees, and they're able to hold on. Their offense was able to get it done as well. They went at 7-2. to two. Uh, I know the three of us all pretty much expected the Yankees to win this game to set up that uh, series with Boston, but was there anything in particular, Dan, that you saw in this one last night uh, that, that struck your eye? Uh, I mean, if nothing else, it was the only Yankee pitcher to actually give up some runs. Zach Britton uh, does not look great. Uh, two hits, gives up a couple runs and a walk in, in his relief appearance. And if the Yankees are going to be able to topple the likes of the Red Sox or the Indians or the Astros, uh, you can't have somebody like Zach Britain giving up runs. Uh, shout out to Severino. We talked about it. He needed that redemption game as one I thought he was going to get, and he went out and he, uh, he he pitched well. He got the Yankees what they needed to do. A little disappointing that Oakland couldn't make it a little bit closer of a game. The, the whole kind of starting a bullpen thing went the opposite in today's games as it did in, in Wednesday's. So uh, still a, a fun little experiment. It goes two different directions between the American League and the National League here the past couple of days. Yes, sir. Speaking of the National League, we had two games tonight to get uh, the NLDS started. We had Milwaukee winning again in extra innings against the Colorado Rockies. That's two games in a row for the Rockies that go into extras. Milwaukee's able to pull this one out, and Christian Yelich just continues his his run of dominance that he's been on here late in the season. Do you, do you think this Milwaukee team is for real? I mean, I thought the Rockies were able were going to be able to pull this off when they tied it up there. They had that Blackman uh, shot that was right down that the the the, uh, the line there, that uh, down that first baseline in the outfield that, that looked like it was fair. They called it fair initially, and then that one was overturned. Uh, and it felt like it kind of took a little bit of the air out of the sails of the Rockies, but then they were able to put two on the board anyway. 
Uh, but Milwaukee was able to hold on and ended up uh, to finishing things out with a win. So they went at 3-2 in the 10th. Uh, this is this series, I feel like, has the makings of a very fun one. But uh, that Milwaukee crowd was definitely into it. We were joking at the – I was with Anshu earlier. We were joking about the Milwaukee's crowd being the biggest it's been since the last time they played the Cubs. I mean, I don't remember the last time I saw a Milwaukee baseball crowd that was that raucous. What did you think, Dan? Yeah, it was a fun one. I don't think – that this series is going to be much of one. I actually disagree with you a little bit there. I think Milwaukee is going to sweep Colorado. It's just, it's a team that is just full of a couple of really big stars. And sometimes that's what you need here in October. Uh, I mean, you mentioned it, Kristen Yelich, uh, Lorenzo Cain. If you're, if you're the Rockies, the fact that you're not just going to walk Christian Yelich for the rest of the season their rest of the series, assuming that there's not bases loaded. I mean, he's killing you. He's killing the Cubs. He's killing everybody that he's facing. Why continually pitch this guy? I mean, yes, this Milwaukee lineup is good, but it's not good enough that you can't pitch around a guy like Yelich. There's no reason that he should be getting any sort of baseballs to hit. I mean, put him on. You don't even have to throw him four balls anymore. Point to first base. Uh, stop pitching to this guy because he is just locked in like I haven't seen somebody locked in in a very long time. Yeah, and that's fair. I mean, I I, I don't know that I that I agree that this is going to be a walk away and, and, and kind of a lopsided series for the Brewers, though. I mean, the Rockies hung tight in this one. They pitched Sensatella. He's not exactly their ace. Uh, you know, I think this Rockies team has enough power, but they did not get – the performance that they would expect out of their stars in this one. Arenado was 0 for 3. Charlie Blackman was 1 for 4 in this game. I mean, the, the stars didn't come out. LeMahieu was, was 0 for 3 as well. I mean, Trevor Story even was, was 0 for 4. So I think that you, you're going to see a better offensive performance from Colorado at some point in this series. And obviously they're going to need to get one here soon. But I think that this is a, is a series that uh, really could go either way still, even with Milwaukee pulling off the extra innings win in, uh, at home here in game one. But we'll see. I mean, there's a, there's a lot to be determined in this series, but I think it's a fun one to keep an eye on, uh, obviously, as, as we look to the future here. But uh, the other one, this is the series that I, I think a lot of people, you know, expect the Dodgers to win. They're up 6 nothing here. It's just about to end. They're in the top of the ninth. The Braves are a team that maybe are a year ahead of where people expected them to be at this point, but they've got a lot of really good young talent. They're a dark horse for a lot of people in the as a World Series pick this year in the in the playoffs. But what do you think uh, pans out here in this series? Obviously, the Dodgers kind of taking control in Game One, but do you think that uh, this Atlanta team has enough against uh, this kind of you know overpowering Dodgers team at times? At the start of this series, I would have said absolutely has enough. I mean, this first game does not go well for them. You still have Kershaw going tomorrow. I I mean, this is a team that I really liked. We talked a lot about the Braves all year. We thought they had enough hitting, and it's just not looking like it. It's a a team that it's the, the curse also the benefit of of being young and sometimes that plays to your advantage and you don't really feel the pressure you don't experience it right no one's pressing because they haven't that's the last shot at a world series Uh, but also at the same time that experience is invaluable at certain times and it looks a little bit like atlanta is going to suffer that that fate of of not really uh being able to have have been there the experience shows that they just don't look comfortable no one looks good at the plate and it it might be a quick one for the Atlanta Braves unfortunately 
Yeah, now this one I, I kind of do agree with you on. I think that the the Dodgers are just a better team, and tomorrow they're going to pitch Kershaw against Anibal Sanchez. Sanchez has had a solid year in his own right, but I think Kershaw is ready to get the monkey off of his back uh, and and really have a dominant performance here in the playoffs. Uh, but tomorrow, I mean, looking at Friday, I, I obviously want to touch briefly on the AL. Uh, Chris Sale will be pitching tomorrow for Boston in Game 1 against the Yankees at home. Uh, your Indians will pitch Corey Kluber against Justin Verlander in Houston. Uh, these are two absolutely electric pitching battles. Uh, when you look at the NL, maybe not quite as electric, but obviously they're looking at Game 2. So just what are your thoughts on the AL Divisional Series moving into this? Obviously Red, Six, Red Sox-Yankees, huge rivalry, and then uh, your Indians you know, trying to figure things out here against the Astros, probably the battle of the two best starting pitching rotations in the major leagues. So uh, what do you think uh, here as we look toward this AL Divisional Series? It's going to be a fun one. I When's the last time you had three teams uh, with over 100 wins coming into the playoffs? Plus, the, the Indians are the only team out of those four uh, in the American League right now who don't have 100 wins, and arguably they're the best set up to, to make a run. Uh, multiple major sports writers, I mean, Buster only still has said that he still Indians are, are the favorites to win it. It's, it's going to be absolutely loaded. It is, I don't want to ever say that that a sports is war because they're obviously nothing uh, thing of the sort, but this is going to be as close as you can get just to an all out war. Uh, it's going to be an absolutely insane matchup. Like you mentioned uh, that Astros Indians uh, from a pitch starting rotation, two best rotations in baseball. Uh, and you are just going to get loaded game after game. And, you know, you want to think that every game is going to be two to one, but you're, you're, Teams are going to surprise you in the playoffs, uh, but it should be a fun. I think this goes five. I think Red Sox Yankees goes five. Uh, it is going to be an absolute battle. I think the Red Sox come out on top of that one. I just don't think the Yankees just do not have the pitching. I mean, especially after having just had to use Severino. I mean, the chance of you being able to get extended outings of him against the Red Sox is probably pretty limited. I mean, he might be able to do it, but it's going to be short. Rest. It's, it's going to be. Uh, not great for him uh, and the rest of that staff is just is nowhere comparable to what Boston is going to throw out there. So I think Boston wins that series probably in five I and mean, maybe in four Indians. Uh, I don't even want to make a selection because I'll just get uh, you know rooted out for being a, a homer pick. But if I had to put money on it, I mean, I'm, I'm going to go with the Indians just because I do think that that matchup is better. Uh, we always hit Verlander well. That first game, or the, you know, this first matchup we got, Kluber versus Verlander, is one that it, it looks even on paper, but if you go back and look at the stats, the Indians have absolutely had Verlander's number over the uh, the past few years. This His starts last four starts against the Indians, he's only one for three with an 8.14 ERA. He's allowed 30 hits, nine, 19 runs, all of which earned five homers. I mean, the Indians have Verlander's number, so I think you get that first one in Houston, which really just sets you up uh, very well going forward, especially when you can get a guy like Trevor Bauer starting the fourth game, potentially if he's not used in relief in the first couple. So I'll take Indians in five and Red Sox in five, maybe four. Yeah, I mean, I, I would argue, you know, that, uh, you know, a lot of people are talking about the Dodgers being kind of the clear path to the World Series now that they've been on a little bit of a hot streak. But, you know, I think that this AL is going to bring bring a lot of excitement here. Uh, and, I, you know, I know that your tribe is, 
you know, thought of as one of the teams that can make a run. They're really built for it with that pitching staff. Obviously, Houston has done it, and they have quite quite the pitching staff in their own right, especially at the starters. But uh, Boston, obviously, the offense that they bring to the table is going to be exciting too. And then the Yankees are on a little bit of a run. They've won a couple games here just in recent uh, days. And I think this AL divisional series for both of these uh, series is going to be absolutely electric. It's going to be something to keep an eye on. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if any of those four teams come out of the AL. So we'll be, we'll be watching very closely this weekend. I know you will be watching more closely than any of us, Dan. And, uh, you know, I'm rooting for your tribe. I'll be honest. So, uh, we'll be watching baseball, but uh, there's a lot of football going on this weekend, too. And it started here on Thursday night. So Thursday night football ended just before this show started. Uh, it was the Colts on the road to taking on the Pats. Uh, nobody expected the Colts to win this game. And it pretty much, I think it went down just about the way we all expected it to. So uh, Patriots win at 38-24. to Tom Brady finishes with three touchdowns, 341 yards. Andrew Luck did a decent job of trying to get his team back in the game and really keep them in the game. He finishes with 365 and three touchdowns. Both quarterbacks threw two interceptions in this one. Uh, you know, obviously, Dan, we didn't expect the Colts to win this game, but what did you see out of Andrew Luck here? Kind of down the stretch just to show that he belongs on the same field with this Patriots team, whereas the rest of his uh, counterparts, especially on the defensive side of the ball, maybe did not. Yeah, I mean, he he's coming back nicely. It's just it's not turning into wins. I mean, that's the thing we've talked about with the Colts now for for years. I mean, just a refusal to get weapons around him, a refusal to get a decent offensive line in front of him, uh, and obviously not a strong defense as they give up 38 points tonight. So. Uh, whatever there is doing in Indy is not doing Andrew Luck any favors. I mean, he's doing his best. Uh, he threw the ball nearly 60 times tonight. I mean, that's just absurd that he has to go out against a Patriots team and, and try to score that many. Obviously they were down for most of the game. So you're playing catch up, but the fact that it got so out of hand so early is, it, you know, wasn't even that enjoyable of a game to watch. Yeah. I mean, and he's been throwing the ball that much here in the last few games. It's, it's not great. T.Y. Hilton sits this one out. Marlon Mack misses another game. You know, they, they really don't have a backfield. Naheem Hines has done okay, you know, catching the ball out of the backfield. Uh, you know, they work in Jordan Wilkins when they can, but they don't really have an identity when it comes to running the football. Eric Ebron has a big game. He has nine catches for 105 yards and two touchdowns, but really those were both in garbage time. And the Patriots just really controlled this game throughout. The, the two turnovers that uh, the Patriots did have were both pretty fluky. Uh, Gronkowski kind of fumbles one as he's catching it into the hands of the defender right there. And, you know, that happened on an earlier play in the game as well. So, you know, the Patriots really never looked like there was a doubt that they were going to win. But, you know, Dan, the big one I've got to ask you uh, is about Josh Gordon. So he catches his first touchdown in a Patriots uniform. He looks great. He, he has only two catches in the game, but both of them were, were solid grabs. And, you know, he looks like he is kind of starting to get back to form. And with a quarterback like Tom Brady, I kind of worry that Josh Gordon can kind of help get this team into a position where where they're they're really the, the team to beat in the AFC. I know a lot of people are talking about the Chiefs. We talked about them earlier in the week. But, you know, this Patriots team, if, if Josh Gordon could get back to even a shell of what he was in his best times in Cleveland, he could really be the Randy Moss for this new version of this Patriots team. So as a Browns fan, what do you see, you know, in this game here out of Josh Gordon? And are you a little bit concerned now that maybe they didn't get enough in return? No, because the big thing with Josh Gordon, it's, it's ne the question marks have never been how he can play. I mean, we know he can go up and get a ball. 
that your quarterback throws 50, 60 yards into the end zone. We know he has the talent. We know he has the speed. The fact that, you know, he, he's got to stay on the field. He's got to stay out of trouble. The Browns traded him after it was rumored that he showed up drunk or um, under the influence of, of some kind of substance. So, I mean, the Probably question has never been – his- background yeah i mean that's a safe, safe bet but the question for him has never been his on-field talent i mean nothing we saw tonight surprises me as a browns fan what was surprised me is if he stays on the field and stays out of trouble for a full season so this is one of those you know we talked a little bit when the patriots were struggling early uh you know hey let's talk talk in december uh when it really matters uh, let's talk about josh gordon in december too if he's still on the field Okay, that's fair, and uh, you know, I I get that. I get that the Browns wanted to get that cancer out of their locker room, uh, but it's going to be tough watching a team that's in the same conference if he does do as well as you know, just like I said, if as well as he looked in those spurts tonight throughout this season. If he ends up being an integral part to that Patriots team winning another Super Bowl, which none of us want to see, uh, it's going to be tough to watch as a Browns fan, I'm sure. But uh, we'll keep an eye on uh, on our boy Josh. But uh, wanted to go to the weekend games and let's just kind of go through these quickly. Let's touch on when the ones that you think uh, that, that you think we should. But uh, let's move through the early games here on Sunday first. So we've got the Dolphins at the Bengals. Uh, Bengals are favored. Uh, they've got their five and a half point favorites at home. Uh, they are hopeful to get Joe Mixon back in this one. Titans will take on the Bills on the road. They're five point favorites. On the road in this one. Then the Ravens will go to your Browns. Baltimore's the favorite here. Uh, Packers take on the Lions on the road. Jaguars will be taking on the Chiefs. And Broncos at the Jets. And then Falcons, Steelers, Giants, Panthers to round out the early games. This is quite the slate of 12 o'clock games or 1 o'clock games in the Eastern time zone, Dan. Give me a couple of these games that you're looking for, but let's quickly go through the, your picks as well. So touch on a couple that you really like here in the early slot and then give us your picks uh, on these games as we look toward those. Yeah, let's start with your team. I mean, I think that's the most intriguing of the early games is Bengals-Dolphins, if only for the fact that we might actually get to see what the Dolphins are made of. I mean, this is a team that's 3-1, and one, but uh, we've talked a lot about them, of, of the contender-pretender scenario uh, of, of what they actually are. So I think this is an interesting one to watch. You know, they, they beat the, the Titans jets and Raiders to start the season. Uh, then obviously get trounced by the Patriots. So I think this one's going to be a, a big test for the dolphins. Your boys are five and a half point favorites. I think that's a pretty fair line. I think uh, the Bengals win by six or seven, but if the Dolphins can keep it closer, if they can somehow pull out a win, uh, maybe all, the Dolphins are a little bit more legit than than we thought. So I think that's the the very big interesting one. Like I said, I think your boys do cover by six or seven, uh, but it, it'll be a fun one to watch. Uh, similarly, I think the uh, the Chief, that Chiefs Jags game. I mean, that's going to be a true test of, of who can really dominate this division uh, or this conference, I should say. I mean, this is a, a potential matchup of the the AFC championship game. Um, so a, a little preview there. I think this will be a fun one to watch. I, Chiefs are three-point favorites. I think that's actually probably a little bit low. I think the Chiefs win this one uh, kind of similarly to our last game we just talked about by six or seven. Uh, but those wow. are the two big ones I th- keep an eye on. Okay, fair. So before we get to your predictions for the early games, I just want to – 
give a couple of games that I'm looking out for as well. I actually think the Jaguars are going to beat the Chiefs in that one, and I agree with you that I don't think the Dolphins are a contender. Uh, but a couple of other games I'm looking at here in the early slot. So uh, Falcons-Steelers. So the Falcons go on the road to take on the Steelers. They get Devontae Freeman back, which is huge. Uh, the Steelers still will not be with Le'Veon Bell in this game, and really both of these teams are in absolute desperation mode. So really it's a test of you know which team is going to still keep their season alive for, for all intents and purposes. I mean, the Steelers go into this one, one, two, and one Falcons at one and three, you know, these are two teams that came into the season as, as Super Bowl hopefuls. And now they're staring this, you know, the gun of this bar- the barrel of this gun down. And they're, they're both looking like a teams that, uh, you know, that are absolutely desperate for a win. So I'm going to be watching that one, hoping this, the Falcons put a whooping on the Steelers. Uh, but the other game I'm looking at is Packers Lions. So the big story for Green Bay, and I know Anshu obviously is our resident uh, Green Bay Packers fan here, but the big story for Green Bay is who are they going to be able to throw the ball to in this one? You've still got Aaron Rodgers who's banged up, but the Packers all three of their top three receivers, and Geronimo Allison, Randall Cobb, Devontae Adams, all three of them are banged up and in question to be able to play this game. So it's going to be interesting to see who they put on the field. And if they don't have their starting three receivers, if none of them play, I would argue that the, the Lions probably are in a good position to win this game. So uh, Packers really need this one. Obviously, the Lions need it worse. They're 1-3, but uh, it'll be interesting to see how that one shakes out and who plays in that game. So, Dan, go through these real quick. So Dolphins, Bengals, uh, you, you heard the rundown. Go through these early games and give me your pick on who wins these games. And you can go against the spread if you'd like. All right, yeah, well, let's start with uh, my team, Brown, the Cleveland Browns. Only three-point dogs to the Ravens, I think, uh, at home. I think that's kind of an absurd line. I think we're going to lose by at least a touchdown on this one. When we talked about that Raiders team needing a win and the loss of Cleo Mack and how it could have an effect on the locker room, I think that loss of the Browns last week would be the killer for team morale. I think um, it, it turns a little bit into the locker room same old Browns we can't catch a break the refs are against us uh I think this is a game that we're gonna lay an absolute egg so I think Baltimore wins if clean more than three Titans Bills uh I think that's a pretty no no brainer it's only a five point spread take the Titans and and tease that one to friggin 12 if uh if you want to so that one I don't think I mean that Bills team you have one fluky win and you're right back to reality last week uh you mentioned Steelers Falcons uh that one's just such a tough one I think uh, there's such a a weird locker room thing going on with the Steelers I think that has more of an effect than anybody would uh would really say so I'll take the Falcons in this uh but I I don't know if they necessarily cover. I think Falcons by three. I think it's going to be another close one. I'm with you there. So so go that one. Uh, Broncos, Jets are uh, a one-point favorite in that, which I think is is, is odd, uh, <laughs> in the least on that one. I mean, I know the Broncos have had their issues, but I, I don't think anybody's thinking the Jets are really – um, have a legitimate shot. I mean, Case Keenum didn't have a great game last week, but uh, to say the least, but still better than what Sam Darnold's going to do. So uh, I'll take the Broncos in that one. I uh, mentioned the Chiefs-Jags. Uh, Packers-Lions, that Lions team is, like you said, in desperation mode. Uh, Packers severely banged up. I actually, Detroit's a one-point favorite there. I think that's fair. I'll take I'll take the Lions in that one. Sorry, aren't you? Uh, miss you, buddy. Uh, Panthers-Giants, uh is uh 
the only other game I haven't talked about. The early ones, I said Bengals over the Dolphins. So um, Panthers-Giants, Carolina, six-point favorites. Uh, again, I I think that's probably a, a little bit too big of a line. I actually think um, that it, the the run game for uh, the New York Giants and their talented rookie uh, is going to actually – be able to, to run through that Carolina defense. I mean, um, not necessarily the the greatest they're playing right now, so I will take the Giants to cover on that one, um, but to, to come out on top. Fair enough. I'm going to go Bengals, Titans. I actually think the Browns are going to beat the Ravens straight up. I think this is the upset of the week. I'm, I'm calling your Brownies for a win. Uh, I've got Lions over Packers. If and a lot of that's contingent on who plays. I think the Jaguars are actually going to beat the Chiefs. I think that's an opportunity for the money line there. The three point underdogs. I think they're going to expose Patrick Mahomes. This is a team that's defensive side of the ball is going to be able to make a difference here, where no other team has been able to do so yet. Uh, I think the Broncos beat the Jets. Uh, they're the underdog. Like like you said, I don't get it. Uh, Falcons. I, I I think they cover. I think that I agree with you. Like I said, that this is a three point should be a really a three-point spread. Uh, Panthers, Giants. I think Carolina covers that. I just, I just think the Giants are way worse than uh, than than they should be with the talent they have on the offensive side of the ball. But let's get to these later games, and we'll kind of lump these all together. So you've got Raiders at Chargers, Vikings at Eagles, uh, Cardinals at 49ers, Rams at Seahawks, and Cowboys at Texans in the Battle of Texas. These games, again, these late games this year, it seems like, you know, there's not the firepower we see in the early games. But, Dan, which one of these games points to you and is saying this is one I need to keep an eye on? Obviously, that that Vikings-Eagles game would have looked great at the beginning of the season, but both teams playing a little under where we expected them to be. So I actually think all these games are are interesting to tune into outside of Cardinals Niners. I mean, I think that one's going to be uh, just – that's not even going to look like a football game. Um, it's going to look like a completely different sport than the rest of these. But uh, So leave that one off your TV. But the rest of these are very much prove-it games. I mean, if you're the Chargers, you cannot fall to 2-3 and three and expect to compete in that division. If you're the Raiders, you need to get a win uh, to keep your season going. So I think that's a must-win uh, – another must-win for the Raiders uh, – so keep an eye on that one. I do think uh, the Chargers come out on top. They're five-point favorites. Uh, again, I think that's more like a six- or seven-point game. So uh, take the Chargers on that one. Uh, Viking-Eagles, it's another prove game. I mean, the Eagles have been uh, a little bit just on a, a, a roller coaster. I mean, obviously, Wentz coming back you know, makes it a little bit more difficult to, to gauge exactly what's going on with them if they played. But, I mean, they they barely beat the Colts two weeks ago. They lost to the Titans in overtime last week um, after the first two weeks of the season, splitting with the Bucks and and uh, Falcons. So a uh, tough team. The the Eagles need to really figure out what they're going to do. Um, I they're only a three point favorite. I think they are going to absolutely trounce the Vikings. Uh, we've seen that defense just get absolutely exposed uh and and the offense continue to struggle so um take the eagles in that one but it's very much a prove it game for both teams for vikings and the eagles ram seahawks uh ram seven point favorites i think that's a a pretty one um you know maybe the seahawks cover just a little bit maybe of a letdown game for the rams after their big win uh last thursday night um so maybe 
bit of a letdown for them, so maybe the the Seahawks cover, but that's about it. Uh, and then Cowboys Texans. Uh, Cowboys really need to come out and prove that they are, are the team that they think they are, or at least what Jerry Jones thinks they are. Uh, I mean, a big win last week, come from behind over the Lions uh, after. A, a big setback against the Seahawks the week before. So another just up and down team uh, that you're seeing all over the NFC. It's a really crowded NFC because these teams just cannot seem to separate. So prove it games, keep your eyes peeled. Yeah. I, I actually, as much as this looks light lazy, these late games and, you know, you mentioned it, that there's a little bit more excitement out of here than it looks like at first blush, but I've got, a lot of upsets here in these late games. So I think the Raiders are going to go into uh, L.A. and beat the Chargers. I, I think this Raiders team is going to have a little bit more confidence. They've been close in every game so far this year. I think this team has a ton of talent, and I think that they can go into L.A. and beat the Chargers. But I think it's going to be a shootout, similarly to what it was when uh, they played your Browns a week ago. I think the Vikings go on the road to Philadelphia, and I beat, beat the Eagles. Again, you talked about uh, you know the fact that these teams both need to prove themselves. I think the Vikings are kind of backs against against the wall at this point. I don't think the Eagles are anywhere near the team we saw win the Super Bowl a year ago. I think Carson Wentz is still a week or two away from getting to top form. Obviously, they've got Alshon Jeffrey back. You know, the Vikings have Dalvin Cook, who's a little bit banged up. But I think the Vikings know they need to get a win. I think their defense shows up in this one, and I think they're able to pull off a close one at Philadelphia. Uh, Cardinals 49ers, I, I, honestly, I think that should just be a pick em. I don't, I, I just, I don't think either team has a, a, you know, a significant advantage on the other. I think San Francisco's favored specifically because they're at home. I think the Cardinals are going to get their first win of the ro- of, of the year here in this one. So that's, that's, I know I'm picking all upsets here, Dan, but uh, Rams, Seahawks, I think the Rams are going to more than cover that seven point line. I think this Rams offense is just too much. Seattle's defense, obviously losing Earl Thomas, losing Michael Kendricks. This is a team that uh, is really struggling on the defensive side of the ball, and I think the Rams are going to expose that. So I think they win that by 10 plus. And then I think the Texans also cover. Uh, so I think these last two, uh, the Texans, I think they're going to cover against Dallas. I think their offensive firepower is going to be way too much for this Dallas defense, who's looked pretty good at times, but the Dallas offense has looked absolutely terrible outside of Ezekiel Elliott. And I think the Texans pull this one off. So I I love it. I think this is going to be a great slate of Sunday games. We'll talk about the Monday night game, Redskins at Saints, on our Monday show. Uh, But, Dan, before we get to our oh, by the ways, was there anything else about this Sunday slate of games that uh, that you wanted to touch on before we move on to oh, by the way? Uh, No, I think you covered it pretty well. Fair enough. So I will start, and then I will let you close us out. So uh, my oh, by the way, tonight we're going to move on to basketball. Uh, So obviously Kyrie Irving ripped our hearts out as Cleveland Cavaliers fans just a year ago. Uh, He's been playing for the Boston Celtics. Uh, There's been a lot of speculation whether he would go to the Knicks this offseason, whether he would go team up with somebody like Jimmy Butler. He has now come out just today here and said that he intends on re-signing with the Boston Celtics. He intends on being there for a while. So obviously big news in the NBA world, even though Kyrie Irving can't seem to stay on the court to save his life. And I don't miss him as a Cavs fan. But Kyrie will stay a Celtic at least for the time being. Dan, what do you have to wrap us up? So mine's just going to be a little bit of a a baseball gripe against Major League Baseball for just continuing to just fail massively at getting more eyeballs on baseball. You know, tonight you have tonight's uh, Braves Dodgers game on MLB Network that you couldn't stream it even if you paid for MLB TV year. You can't stream it. That whole system is just insane. You have an Atlanta team who is the youngest teams in the league, full of 
up and coming superstars and uh, mo- most of America couldn't watch that game. And then you have this Indians Astros series, not a single game set to start after four 37 is the latest start time of these first five games unless Boston and New York finish up early. Again, I know that Boston, New York have the biggest markets that are left in this thing outside of LA. I know that's the sexy matchup, but the fact that you continually going to show these, these big market teams, when you have some of the brightest stars in the game in this series with uh, Correa Lindor, you have the two best staffs, in the playoffs still left um, in Houston and Cleveland. And these games are being played at two o'clock, four o'clock, one o'clock. It is baffling. If you're trying to grow the game and you're trying to get more people interested, you cannot have the same narrative of just having a Red Sox Yankees series on TV every night. You have to switch it up. I mean, I get that the Indians and Astros aren't going to be the late game every night, but at least split it up, at least give the Indians and Astros a couple of them. Uh, it gets much more of America interested, uh, you know, middle America, West Coast, uh, obviously the Midwest, than just a round of Yankees, Red Sox. I get it's an awesome series, but the fact that it's just such a narrow window of, of excited viewership or at least fandom uh, for their teams is uh, is pretty disappointing. Yeah, I mean, I, I get your point as, as an Indians fan and just as a baseball fan as a whole, and I agree with you that it should be broken up, but they're going to get so much better ratings when the Yankees are playing the Red Sox than uh, than Astros Indians. I As a purist and as a baseball fan, I get where you're coming from, but the ratings are going to be through the roof. I, I, would, I would be anxious to see what the difference would be if they were to split these up and put both in prime time, but I, I, I would venture to guess there's a lot more Boston Red Sox and, and Yankees fans out there in this country. And even the people that hate those teams are going to be watching them, which is me. So, uh, you know, <laughs> we'll, we'll see, we'll, we'll see. But, uh, I, I definitely get your sentiment and I get your point and I wish I was watching both teams in prime time. But, Dan, that's going to do it. We went a little long on this one. Obviously, we do when we preview the NFL, and we tend to go long whenever we're talking sports. But uh, we appreciate you guys listening. Anything to add for the good of the group? Uh, quick shout-out. Thank you to our listeners. The leftover hit number 23 on the IT sports charts here over the past couple of days, uh, highest we've ever hit. So whatever and keep doing it uh, make sure you're telling your friends rating uh, subscribing leave some comments too let us know uh, what you like some segments you like or don't like uh, you know we'd love to to hear from you uh, more than just uh, as much as we appreciate the five-star ratings don't forget to to leave some comments for us as well so thank you uh, if it wasn't for you guys uh, you know this show wouldn't exist so shout yeah. out to you yeah don't tell us what you don't like who's the best person to wear 23 mj or lebron is this a question for me or for our <laughs> listeners I don't even want to go there, baby. (laughs) (laughs) For Dan Bauer, I'm Josh Dunn. This is our Friday edition of The Leftovers. We will see you on Monday.